0: hey guys welcome back to 20 something um this is elena or if you're new here welcome to 20 something happy to have you on board we have fun here i'm recording another one of these 20 things i learned in podcasts this month this i mean okay aside i have so much fun recording these because i listen to hours on end of podcasts anyway you guys know this by now and like for me i hear such interesting things in the episodes that i listen to but when i have to actually recall information that I heard a couple weeks back from different episodes and try to condense it into these short little little snippets for you, it actually like makes me remember these facts or tips or whatever you want to call them. It makes me remember them more and then actually use them in my life because it's like the process of note-taking, right? Like when you were in school and when you were studying, if you just heard the prof say something, it would usually go in one ear out the other. But if you had to study it and write it down or write an essay about it, then you kind of remember it more. That's what I feel like I get from doing these episodes. You guys also really liked the first one that I did. So I'm not gonna do them every month because that's a lot, but I'm gonna do them every now and then. I think the first one was in like November or something. So it's January now, and these are the 20 best things that I heard in podcasts this month. I'm giving you guys a little bit of a taste of a bunch of different topics, like looking at the list some of these are health and wellness related things a lot of them are from business podcasts or professional development related slash career conversations a lot of them are just personal development like mindset stuff we have some law of attraction tips and then there's also a handful that are about relationships and friendships and like feminine masculine energy because you guys know i like i love that kind of stuff And I love hearing other people talk about their perspectives on like men and women. So there's a few fun little tidbits about, you know, flirting and relationships and whatever else. If you find any kind of value in this episode, send it to your best friend, send it to your mom share it with anybody one step further that would help me a ton is if you leave a rating and review on the pod that makes a huge difference the main way that podcasts grow on platforms like spotify and apple podcasts is through ratings and reviews that's what like gets the algorithm to push it to more people so if you can take literally 30 seconds to write a review i don't care what you say like just tell me what your favorite episode is any kind of feedback you want to leave stuff you want to hear from me or guests that you want to have on the podcast let me know i promise i read all of them and i would be super grateful I'm doing the most to record this episode. Literally as we speak, I'm sitting in my office. It's a Saturday and I came into the office, downtown Chicago, to record this episode for you guys because we have these like soundproof rooms, almost like like mini like phone booths that are completely soundproof so the audio quality is going to be way better than if i'm recording it in my apartment with like the ac going or even in the lounge of my building the audio is going to be way better like this because i still haven't gotten set up with a proper mic and all the audio equipment that i want but if you guys like the format of these episodes i'll keep doing them even from a time perspective if you think about the math i wish people were making episodes like this for me to listen to because Each of these 20 things comes from a different podcast episode. And a podcast episode lasts, what, like an hour, two hours, on average an hour and a half. So 20 different episodes, that's 30 hours worth of audio content. And instead of spending the 30 hours listening to it, you're getting the most crucial information from these 30 hours worth of podcast content in 20 minute episode max. So from a time perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And obviously, if you want to double-click on any of these things, for the ones with that I remember, I'll mention who the interview was with and on what podcast so you can go listen to the original. These are the things that I heard this month that really stuck with me so much that I wrote them down. Like, I have this ongoing doc called Shit I Hear in Podcasts, and anytime I hear something that catches my attention, I jot it down. They always say, like, a, a dull pencil is better than a sharp mind. If you write things down you're way more likely to remember it our brains are not as smart as we sometimes give them credit for being in terms of memory i also have the memory of a goldfish so maybe that's on me like i'm literally like dory from finding nemo like i can't remember anything so i write them down in a doc that i can always go back and refer to and i'm, I'm using this doc to share with you guys let's get started <music> This was from Mona Van. Dr. Mona Van was on the skinny confidential. She's like a health and wellness guru that recently has been talking a lot about mindfulness and meditation. They were talking about meditation and she said that meditation works best two times in the day. Either very first thing after you wake up or right before you go to sleep at night. The reason is that this is when you are deepest in your subconscious. Let's say you want to do it in the morning as part of your morning routine. When you wake up, go straight to your meditation room or do it. Like, I know a lot of people meditate sitting up in bed, but do it right after waking. Don't try to talk to someone. Don't try to talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend or listen to the news or consume anything on your phone before you meditate because all of those things will draw you out of your subconscious and the meditation won't be as deep. If you really want to unlock the deepest level of meditation, try to do it the closest to When you wake up in the morning or right before you fall asleep at night, and you'll be deepest under your subconscious. The second most interesting thing I heard was a question to ask yourself if you are trying to expand your business model into product. So like if you have a personal brand or a media platform and you want to expand into making a product or like offering a service, but you don't know what to do, ask yourself this, what kinds of products are my sponsors already paying me to promote on my platform? that's the exact product I should make. Example, let's say you're an Instagram influencer and you notice that most of the brands that reach out to you for brand deals are skincare companies and they're asking you to promote skincare products. There's probably a reason for that. It's because that's what these brands have determined that your audience is interested in and more likely to buy. And it could be for a number of reasons. Like maybe you just have glowing skin or people, for some reason, people are interested in your skincare routine. Either way, The brands have already done the research for you. So instead of overthinking it, launch a skincare product yourself. Obviously the caveat is like, make sure this is something you're actually interested in. Don't start a company for something you're not passionate about, but it could be a good signal to point you towards the right kind of product or business. And then that way, instead of capturing only the marketing spend from all of these other brands promoting their product on your platform, you'll capture more of the profit because you own the product. The third thing I heard that I really liked, this was on um, a podcast with James Clear. He's the author of Atomic Habits. I think the interview was with Lewis Howes on The School of Greatness. Either way, James Clear is amazing. I mean, Atomic Habits is a book that I would recommend anyone read, but even just listening to him on podcasts, he kind of elaborates on some of the ideas he brings up. And something he said was, there are times when you need to be softer on yourself, but there are also times when you need to be harder on yourself. And that sounds simple, but we've gotten so far into this mindset of like, people should be more forgiving with themselves, like give yourself rest days, be easy on yourself, self care, and that's true. Like I'm all about self care, but the opposite is also true. So yes, sometimes you've been working like crazy and you need to take a break, but sometimes it's okay to recognize that it is a time to be harder on yourself. There are periods of rest and relaxation, but there are also periods of work where you need to be action-oriented and push yourself a little bit more. Four, somebody said, falling in love is like a process of crystallization. You have to give the other person time and space away from you, during which they form their ideal crystal image of you, fantasize about you, whatever else. But you need to give the person the space and the time to do that. People rush into sex and rush into relationships so easily, and then it dies off. Think of it like a process of crystallization and be okay with taking off periods where you give them that time to form their crystal image of you in their head. Fifth is that if someone is on a diet, let's say one of your friends is trying to lose weight, don't make it harder for them. If you're at a restaurant, for example, and you offer them a bite of dessert and they say no, don't be the person who goes, oh, come on, like you look good, just have some, which is what everyone does. And it's so annoying. Why are you making it harder for them? Especially if that's your friend. Instead, if you offer them a bite of your dessert and they say no, just say, oh, you're on a diet? Okay, give me that. Like, I'll have all of it. You have to support your friends in their goals, which can be hard if their goals are different from yours. The same applies if they're grinding on their work or trying to achieve something or build a business. If somebody says no to going out or grabbing drinks, don't take the no as a chance to convince them. Your people, if those are really your people, your ride or dies, you should try and make it easier for them to achieve their goals not make it harder. I really liked this. This was in a conversation with Sebastian Georgiou, who I adore. Someone was interviewing him and he gave this example and I thought it was like totally spot on. Number six, drink sake instead of wine for skin health. It's way better for your skin because it has less sulfites. We all know alcohol is horrendous for our skin, especially wine though, because of some of the additives that, especially like cheaper wine brands if it's non-organic, put into the wine will wreak havoc on your skin. But if you drink sake instead, which is like Japanese variation of wine, it's not as bad for your skin. I re-listened to this episode this month. Like it was an episode with the Clear Stem founders on the Skinny Confidential. And I don't know why I've never heard anyone else talk about this because I feel like it's like a life-changing secret that not enough people know. Right after hearing this, I was out for sushi. I was at Nobu. So I ordered sake and I'm trying to make it my thing. I don't love it as much as wine, but for a night when you only really want to order one glass like at a restaurant to have with dinner, I think it's a good alternative that's better for you. Obviously, I still have at least like three bottles of wine on my countertop in my kitchen, however, so that's not helping me, but we're trying. We're trying to be better, and one of my intentions this year is to do good for my skin health, so I'm going to try to drink more sake. Society pushes us towards a multiplayer competitive game where we seek to achieve things that will show other people that we're successful. We strive for things like a great body, a big house, a nice car, and all of those are external signals to show other people what we have achieved. If you think about it, that's not really what's going to fulfill you. So we end up never being happy. In reality, you should flip it and think about life as a single player game. Being happy, being confident, all of these things are a single player game. It's completely internal. We just waste time trying to accumulate all of these external things before we realize that the real game is in our own heads. This actually was not from a podcast. It was from a book called The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, which I've spoken about before. But there's a podcast episode with Naval on Joe Rogan, and I think it's the best I've heard this month. And they chat about the topics that he writes about in the book. So I'd go listen to that. Naval Ravikant, I'll link it in the show notes on Joe Rogan, but honestly, like out of all of Joe Rogan's guests that he've had on, this conversation he had with Naval is my personal favorite. Eight was, I heard someone say that they use Twitter as note-taking. So like when they're trying to understand an idea they have or deepen their understanding of a concept, they use Twitter as note-taking. The reason it works is that it Twitter forces you to distill a thought that you have into a few concise characters and it helps you clarify your own thoughts. I thought that was a cool exercise. Somebody spoke about something called the 24-hour rule. Wait 24 hours before you make any kind of big ticket purchase. If I have an urge to buy something, putting in even a day of buffer time before actually buying the thing is going to test whether I'm just purchasing on impulse because it caught my eye or whether I actually really want it and need it. Obviously, only do this for big ticket purchases, like significant amounts of money, things like a one-off luxury that you're considering spending money on. Don't be a loser and do it for every little thing you want to treat yourself to. But this can actually be more powerful than you think. Even a day can be sobering. If you really want something, you're still going to be thinking about it a day or even a week after you come across it and like see it in the store. You're not just buying it on impulse because it caught your eye. If you forget about it in that 24 hours then obviously it's not worth the splurge and you can save yourself easily a couple hundred dollars. What I've even started doing is applying the same thing to investments. So I build in a buffer time after I come across something to make sure that I've actually thought it through and, you know, hopefully avoid the impulse shitcoin purchases like some of the ones I made in 2021, which are usually on impulse because you see something in a Twitter thread and it sounds like a good idea. So add that 24 hours of buffer time in before making a big ticket purchase so you only spend money on the things you really want. 10. This is career related. Never work for anyone who you don't want to become. Look at the person the highest up in the organization that you work for and ask yourself whether you would trade lives with them professionally. And if the answer is no, then you need to get out of your organization because that is the trajectory you're on. That's the corporate ladder you're climbing. And if you don't want to be in the position of the person who's the highest, then you're on the wrong path. 11. Someone said when they were talking about the law of attraction that you need to separate the what from the how when you're manifesting something. When you set a goal or you're trying to manifest an outcome, Your job is to decide on the what. Usually what happens naturally after you decide what you want is that your mind tends to try to backtrack and decide what's the most likely how, how you think you're going to achieve this outcome. But it's important not to get tied to a specific way or a specific route of achieving the thing. Obviously, like you can brainstorm and fantasize about all the different ways that it could possibly happen, but don't become attached to a single path. You're closing off doors. The reality is there are so many different ways that you could achieve your dream. You have no way of knowing which way it is. And maybe the way that you're going to achieve it is something you can't even conceptualize or like you haven't thought about. Remain open and let the universe work itself out. It's going to put in front of you the path that you are meant to take. We all know that sometimes things happen in ways that you could have never predicted. And you need to be open to all of the possible ways of achieving or receiving what you are manifesting. Because if you're so attached to it happening this one specific way because that's the way that your brain decided was most likely or because that's the only one that your logical mind is comfortable grasping you're funneling yourself in again you're closing doors and it actually reduces your chance of achieving the thing because then unless it happens that one specific way you're not going to manifest it you cannot manifest abundance with any kind of closed mindset with any kind of tightness happening in your mind you can only manifest the abundance you want When you emanate an energy of openness to all of the possible routes to your dream life, get focused on the what, decide what you want, but don't worry about the how. It's not your job to figure out what the how is going to be. An example of this that came to mind when I first heard it is one of my biggest goals this year is to grow the podcast. But if what I want is to grow the podcast and reach more people, I don't really care how that growth happens. Obviously like my logical brain might say, okay, if I want this, I probably need some combo of like directing more people towards the podcast through Instagram, getting ratings and reviews, getting word of mouth referrals, and maybe doing some paid advertising. But if I convince myself that those are the only ways the growth could happen, I completely shut myself off. I neglect the possibility of other surprise ways that I could get growth. What if I get some huge guest that makes it blow up? Or what if somebody with a huge platform gives me a random shout out to their audience? Like, what just happened? Or maybe the the Apple podcast algorithm, like, randomly pushes it to more people with no explanation. The point is, as long as I'm reaching more people with this podcast and getting the growth that I want, I really don't care how it happens. So the reason I know I'm going to manifest it is because I've decided on the what, but I don't care about the how. I'm open to all methods of how it could happen. The next few I have on my list, these are a couple of differences between masculine and feminine energy behavior and whatever you want to call it. One was, and this is number 12, I think. Traditionally, women are not allowed to get angry, so they get hurt. Men feel that they can't get hurt so they get angry instead. Think about that. Women are supposed to be soft, it's looked down upon if they get angry, so they get hurt when something upsets them. Men are the opposite. It's we look down on men who are weak and act as if they're hurt, so instead when something upsets a man, he gets angry. Think about that, it'll help you understand a lot of behavior in relationships. The next was around the idea of love languages. Hopefully everyone's heard of the five love languages. If you haven't, like, look it up. It's really interesting research that was done actually out of an institute in Chicago, and you can do these quizzes or, like, tests online that figure out what your love language is. Anyway, what I heard someone say was that the way that you want to receive love, like, your love language is usually the same way that you tend to express love because you assume that the other person wants what you want, but that's backwards, The best way that you can give love to someone whether it's a friend or a romantic partner whatever is to figure out what their love language is and express love that way for example i may be a workaholic but if my friend's love language is quality time or my husband's love language is quality time then it's not going to work because i need to show them love in the way that they accept love which is by making time for them if your wife's love language is gifts You can shower her with words of affirmation all you want, but she's not going to really care until you get her the Prada bag. You get the point. There was a a female psychologist who developed a framework for the the three things that you should never do to a man if you love him. It's called the three C's. The first is to control him. Second is to criticize him. And the third is to close off your heart. If you love a man, these are three things that you should never do because that is what they're most sensitive to. Fifteen, the bliss point in communication is the optimal level of salty and sweet that keeps people wanting more. Sixteen, subtle flattery is better than overt flattery. Compliment people in a way that kind of makes their ears perk up, like, wait, like, what did she say? And then move on from it casually. Instead of doing it, overdoing it with overt flattery, be subtle in the way that you compliment people. Seventeen. It is only when you're not giving it your 100% that you fear failure. If you're scared of failure, take a step back and get serious with yourself because you need to be honest about whether you're really fully invested. Because if you're giving something your 100%, then you're not scared of failure because failure is not an option. When you're moving towards something at 100% full force, a part of you knows that you're either going to achieve it or you're going to die trying. But if you feel failure, if you have any kind of doubt, then it means that the possibility of failure still exists in your mind. It means you're one foot in, one foot out the door, and that doubt is going to kill you. Another interesting note on fear that I heard was that fear does not prevent death, it prevents life. Eighteen. Always dress one notch nicer than the situation calls for. I love this. Nineteen. People don't judge you on your shortcomings. They judge you on your perception of your shortcomings. So you can point out your weaknesses, joke about them, whatever. It can actually be a good thing. But don't make it seem like you're insecure about them. The second you make it seem like you're self-conscious about your insecurities is when other people will start to notice and they will judge you on them. We've all met those people who like walk into a room and immediately the first thing out their mouth is they unveil their insecurities like a hand of cards. They say, oh my god, my hair looks awful or I'm so sorry I'm underdressed. Well, they've just drawn attention to the exact thing that they didn't want people to notice. Consider the opposite situation. For example, maybe my English grammar sucks or I pronounce some words wrong. Like, sometimes I actually say idioms completely wrong, like potato, tomato, I can't tell the difference. But because I joke about how I'm ESL so often and I laugh about myself, no one ever perceives it as a shortcoming. It's just one more thing that makes me charming. But the point is, people follow your lead. You can joke about your faults all you want, and others won't judge you for them, but if you're clearly embarrassed about something, others are going to pick up on that and they're going to judge you for it too. That goes hand in hand with... The very last one I heard this month, number 20, which is that the most confident people are actually the ones that don't hesitate to make fun of themselves or to tell truths that might tarnish their reputation. But they say it so lightheartedly that it actually almost neutralizes the enemy. You can't possibly judge them if they're confident regardless of their shortcomings. Being lighthearted will always do you well. For example, like if you have a nerdy hobby, talk about it but talk about it with enthusiasm. That is supreme confidence. If you find any kind of value in this episode, send it to your best friend, send it to your mom, share it with anybody. One step further that would help me a ton is if you leave a rating and review on the pod, that makes a huge difference. The main way that podcasts grow on platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts is through ratings and reviews. That's what like gets the algorithm to push it to more people. So if you can take literally 30 seconds to write a review, I don't care what you say, like just tell me what your favorite episode is. Any kind of feedback you want to leave, stuff you want to hear from me, or guests that you want to have on the podcast, let me know. I promise I read all of them and I would be super grateful.